Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trunapole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Not to be a favorite. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm up to 1,987 subscribers. I appreciate every single one of, one of you guys. Also, I hit over 3,000 followers on Twitter. That's awesome. I appreciate you guys. Now, if you would like to support the show or make a comment for John, the brain shearing, or make Dale answer something crazy, give me a super chat exclusively in the YouTube chat crew. I'd appreciate it. Now, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your work, rental property management needs and your rental needs. And if you guys have not had any of this yet here, I got to pop I got my nice. See, I didn't lose my Bengals and Bruce Cousy. I did find it. I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought I lost it. But you got to try this delicious tasting Jackpot Joey beer. And if you guys are interested in any of the merchandise, I'll pop it up right here. Like the hats we have, the flags, uh, any of the stuff we have on here. I can drink this thing here. Ah, it's delicious. Anyway, if you guys are interested in that stuff, go to jackpotjoy9.com. Portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Fund. 
So come check it out. All right, guys. We're coming down from the Bengals' win against Kansas City. Next weekend, me and my boy, Dale, who I'm going to bring on right now. We're going to talk about this real quick before we get you on. Let's get What are we doing next weekend? Where are we going to be at? Well, I'm so excited. Holy shit, that background looks really nice. I know. I did a great job, didn't I? <sighs> you know I did it. Oh, yeah. That's right. My, my, my bad. But where are we going to be at next week? We're going to be in the suite. We're going to be in the Beth Fred suite, baby. That is the plan. That is the plan. Now I'm still waiting on them to be like, oh, no, not you. You're not. <laughs> no, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. We wanted the other guys. Not, 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 not you three. No. But anyway, if you guys haven't yet done it yet, please go and sign up with betfredsports.com slash Ohio slash Boys underscore boys two. Bengals underscore boys two. That's our link. Betting is going to be legal in Ohio come January 1st. And you have a chance to jo- potentially join us in the suite because they give away suite tickets and regular tickets every single week. Exactly. So just so. by signing up, you're automatically entered for all their giveaways. So if you want to hang out, well, two crazy guys. Well, one crazy guy, two normal guys. The crazy guy's Derek. He's Derek one of those, can he's, titties, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He has beer can titties. And if you haven't seen that, you go go check out Bengals and yeah. Bruce. We're perfectly and, normal. Yes, there's nothing wrong with us. We are perfectly normal. We're very calm at the game. We don't get very excited. So if you're going to hang out with the crazy guy, it's, it's, it's Derek. It's not us. So, anyway. so <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. Let's get to John the Brain cheering. What's up, hey John? What's up, John? <laughs> you all right? I, mean, I come on here for the mundane atmosphere. You know, you guys are very, very low-key, so I feel right well, at home. Um, yeah, the yeah. crazy one is down here. This is this is the craziest mm-hmm. one all, all three yeah. of us right here. It's John. Totally. <laughs> he tried to get us to go streaking just yes, last weekend. Did. Yeah, it was, John was like, we're going streaking. Like, this is, this is we not. We were like, John, that's a bad idea. Don't do it, I sir. went by myself. You know, <laughs> no one backed me up. <laughs> I was all by myself. No one was lucky. It's cold. Hey, I want to get to Crip's comment it's because I, I've had terrible nicknames from Crip, Crip, so I will definitely take Big Big Daddy Diesel Dick, Dale Altman. Yep, that's the, <laughs> that one's got a stick. Where is that one at? Oh, there it is. Okay, my bad. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Crip. That one's way better than one cheek sneak and you shit your pants. <laughs> way better. Oh, my goodness. So, John, all right, I titled this show. Basically, are the Bengals contenders for the number one spot in the AFC playoff picture right now? As I, they're, they're in the middle of a heater. I mean, they're doing the same thing they did last year, coming out of, out of the bye, laying out the same ways as last year. And no, we didn't get the number one seed last year, but it's all laid out in front of us. We got the Buffalo Bills coming up. We got the we got uh, the Ravens. All this stuff. What Dale? What was that? I was just gonna say Tampa Bay. We got a lot of. We got a lot, yeah. We, we have, have games. Yeah. We, have we have games coming up, John. We have, we have games coming up to, to the teams we can beat that are in front of us. What do you think? So it's gonna it's gonna come out of these three teams, right? Like, I don't know what Baltimore is right now with Lamar on the mend. He will be out for maybe a couple of weeks. Tyler Huntley, I think, is fine in his stead, but I mean that's still very much up in the air. So the division is definitely in their hands for them to take. You have to look at the Chiefs' remaining schedule, though, and I feel like that's why they're still. Um, 
for many models like projected to if not be the top team in the AFC at least number two because they have cupcake after cupcake I think they'll play the Broncos twice they put the Texans they should for all intents and purposes finish out the year five and zero, and I think they're going to be hungry to do so after taking this L but when it comes to the Bengals and Bills they have a little bit more tougher opponents left on their schedule like the Bills play the Jets they play the Dolphins they, of course, play the Bengals on Monday night at Paycor Stadium, and they finish with the Patriots, who, again, should be looking for revenge. So when it comes down to these three teams, sh- they should all be in contention. I understand why the Bengals have a significantly smaller chance because they're still a game behind both those teams, but having the tiebreaker over the Chiefs helps. Having the chance to get the tiebreaker over the Bills helps. But unfortunately for them, they're still a game back from the Chiefs, who, again, have a lot of easy games left on the schedule. Exactly. And, I mean, it's... It's it's ro- rolling out perfectly, I think. I mean, and, and it, with all the heat we got starting out the season, zero and two, you know, Joe came out and said, "Relax, you know, we're going to be just fine." It's it's coming to fruition. I mean, the way the, the offensive line is gelling, the way this team is playing, T. Higgins. I don't want to say he's emerged. I think us as Bengals fans I already knew how good he was, but I think the national media are, are realizing how good he is. And not not only do we have him, we got Uno back. I mean. John, I think we're one of the not. I think we are the scariest team in the NFL. I don't think anybody wants to play us right now. I think, like, when you describe the Bengals, it's a lot similar to describing Burrow. Where, yeah, of course there are stars with the Bengals, but when you look at the Chiefs and the Bills, like they make like the flashy plays, and that's it's kind of indicative of their quarterbacks too. And it's why this it, it's it's just been weird. I think with Burrow being more the traditional mold of a quarterback. And how it contrasts with a, with guys like Allen Mahomes, which is why he doesn't often get talked about as like right there in the elite conversation. I feel like that transcends with the Bengals too, because they are so well balanced. Like there's no clear weakness on this team where you can point out weaknesses for most of the other teams, maybe aside from the Eagles in the NFL right now. And that's what makes them dangerous. There's no exploitable area with this current iteration of the team, and that will allow them to compete with anyone. And that's why other teams who play them should be scared of them but like it's almost like it it curses them at the same time because there there is no truly elite trait everything they just do a lot of things really well and they're building towards that elitist with their passing and because of things that you said with the offensive line with burrow just really playing at that level in the past seven or eight weeks now and I feel like what Goodberry said on Sunday really encapsulates it because like this is the team that a lot of Bengals fans wanted for years and years when they were stuck in purgatory with Dalton and and Marvin Lewis and the final years of that era. Like they have a great passing game. They have a sustainable offensive line. They have a solid one, two punch at running at, at running back. They have a defense that is completely cohesive. The chemistry is off the charts. There's no true superstar, but it doesn't matter because they just get the job done regardless of who's up against them. It's a perfectly composed team and it's arrived at a time when they have a chance to overtake everyone in the AFC. And it's great. Exactly. And then one thing that, Haas said here, and I'll say the same thing. He said some the weakness some people say is their corners because Cheeto is out. But to be honest, I don't think we've missed a whole lot. I mean, it's not going to be the same. I mean, Cheeto's you know our, our number one corner, but I mean, I think the, the cornerbacks in Eli and and Cam Taylor Britt's playing. They're they're playing pretty good, I think. Yeah, like Taylor Britt has not been a liability as of late. Like there was some. He was this close to getting an interception, and we called it on my show Saturday. Sorry. No, it, it was a great play, like by him personally. Like he, it was. I think he was in like a cover two zone, 
and he was keeping eyes on the flat receiver and he was just watching Mahomes the entire time because that's what you do in off coverage. And then he just backtracked towards where the ball was going and he made a great play on the ball. Like he should have caught that if Bates didn't run into him. He made a great hands attempt to catch the ball and unfortunately Bates ran into him. And that would have been a highlight play, right? But Taylor Britt has been phenomenal in the past couple of weeks after I think it was moments against the Browns. There was a moment against the Steelers where he well, he knocked the ball out of Mahomes' hands too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he's he's really settled in there. Goddamn. Oh, that interception would have been what some call a jizz-worthy play because <laughs> me and Jeff was so ready oh. to stare <laughs> eye to eye and just bump the was- sausages. Because because he was on our, on my show Saturday, and we 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 call we try to t- speak into fruition. You know, you're going to get you're a pick Mahomes off and. It's going to happen. It was. It would happen. Freaking I, Jesse Bates. <laughs> it's like that got it, man. Uh, all right. So this is this is a, a go here from Pork Chop. Here he goes up. When I rewatched the game at home, I heard Burrow yell Palmer. Is that an audible to quit on the play? The play called in. <laughs> it's it's a it's a fa- so you act like you're just going to stop playing, but then you come back and you do and you keep playing. Is it is it a fake? That's audible? what Palmer is. <laughs> All right, Chris got one here for you, John. Uh, John, uh, Cleveland game this weekend, is it a must-win? Do you agree? No. Maybe for the morale it is. I can't imagine losing to the Browns oh, seven times dude, in a I row can't, or whatever. Yeah, we got, I just want to kick their ass. We can't lose to them again. Like, give me a break. I, I'm so confused with this game coming up because what I saw against the Texans was just abysmal from their quarterback. and It never matters. It never matters, John. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. They, I don't know. They can play like ass and then come play like Super Bowl champs against us. <laughs> well, the thing is that like offensively in recent years, the Bengals haven't been that bad against Cleveland. It's just they get off to these terrible starts and it puts Cleveland in these prime positions to just pound the ball with Nick Chubb. Do what they should be doing. And, and then Miles Garrett just tees off when the mm-hmm. Bengals are in this deficit. So if they can change how they start these games against the Browns, I, there's they have no reason to lose to that defensive line. That just they have ghosts playing defensive tackle. They just get blown <laughs> off the ball. Like Miles Garrett should not matter this much, despite how great he is. He should not be single handedly winning these games, especially when, I mean, can, can anyone expect Deshaun Watson to be good in the near future? Because he just flat out wasn't against a terrible team. I want to be. It will be interesting to see how how the offensive line does with Garrett because typically, like you said, they, they kick, I'm on the air. You can't. I can't answer the phone. Well, right now. I was gonna say I went on a Browns podcast before this show, and yeah, he's and, cheating. I mean, on me. obviously, no, but obviously, they they think like they're they're riding the high on it. But one of the dumbest things I thought, which you know, you try to be nice when you're on someone else's show. So if the guy's <laughs> watching this, sorry, but. <laughs> He was like, I think they were holding back last week, and they're saving it. And you'll be surprised how Watson comes out throughout. I'm like, dude, the only way Watson's gonna, the only way Watson's gonna have a good game is if they, if we have a bad start and they're running the ball, and then he might be able to hit some open passes, kind of like Jacoby Brissett when it just broke open in the second half for the Browns the first time we played him. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to think that Deshaun Watson is all of a sudden going to be a fucking Superman. They were holding back. You don't go 12 for 22 with 131 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception, and it's like, ah, oh, we were just holding back. That's just, 
I thought that was really stupid. Well, he hasn't played football. I was going to say he hasn't played football in a year and a half, despite all the crap. He hasn't played football in a year and a half. 700 and some days. I mean, you don't just go, oh, I would pick this right back up. I, I don't think it. Anyway, John, what do you got? He was practicing, what, maybe a couple weeks before yeah. this game or whatever. So, like, there's definitely rust. I, I, I mean, that's just copium right there. That's just, oh, like, that's $230 million that we spent for this dude, and he came out the gate really bad. Now, eventually, you have to figure he's going to get it. It's just a matter of can he get it now. And I right. want to go back and watch that game to see what the Browns' offense looked like compared to when they had Jacoby Brissett under center for 10 or 11 weeks because it, it's the scheme is still the same. The scheme is at least from that Monday night game, it was the same as when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. And that has truly given Lou Anarumo tons of fits as, as a defensive coordinator. And that's something to watch for. How much is this going to evolve now that they have the, this caliber of quarterback under center? Like, obviously, you can make it easier on Deshaun. He's going through these struggles right now. But if it's the same as what it's been for ever since Stefanski took over, the, the Bengals still have to take this seriously for sure. Uh, Chris here says Watson wasn't going to be good even without the suspension. <clears throat> he hasn't played in two years. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying, Chris. It's Brandon Allen like... beat him when he was on the Texans. I hope everybody remembers right. his last full season went before he was suspended and everything else. Like, he didn't have a great season that season. Mm-hmm. And he damn sure didn't play well against the Bengals in that game when Brandon Allen beat the Texans. Yep, exactly. All right, Dennis Perry here. Uh, basically, uh, wants to know if you heard anything about Lamar, um, his injury. Uh, all, go ahead. What they one have. to three weeks, right, John? Is what uh, Harbaugh said today. So yeah, it's like, so a, he, it's like a, yeah, it's like just a knee sprain. They're going to just evaluate him week to week. He'll probably, yeah. he won't play this week. Now, only I, I heard Richard Sherman on. I guess what I don't know the podcast he was on. He was he was telling Lamar that he wouldn't play <laughs> because they haven't signed him. I'm like. I don't think that's gonna. I mean, hey, I'm all for it. That's cool. Don't play, but I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. No. Regardless, that's... if he does play, though, these past three weeks with the Ravens have been fascinating. You barely beat Carolina. You drop one to Jacksonville, and then that Broncos team, which, granted, phenomenal God. defense, it's that's... carrying them to what three or four wins this year. But the fact that you can, like, my God. To almost be- lose that team right now is inexcusable. Exactly. Well, that's one thing I, I kept telling people. It's like, it's like you know, Baltimore has got a two-game lead on us or whatever it was at, at one time, and I'm like, they're going to lose games they shouldn't lose because they've already they've already done that, and then they they dropped they they lost what four 14 point leads. I mean, you, a championship team doesn't do that. I mean, an okay team does that, but not a really good team. And the thing is, Baltimore is so built around Lamar. If he doesn't play good, and I'm sorry, Lamar has not been playing that good these last couple of years. I mean, he hasn't. You can go look at the numbers for himself. In his quote-unquote contract years, betting on himself, his passing uh, yards are down, his running uh, yards are down, everything's down, and they have put everything on him and given him no freaking weapons, which is beyond me. They have like 25 tight ends. So that's why I'm like, I kept saying, I'm like, I'm not really scared of Baltimore because they're going to lose games that they're not supposed to, and we're going to get healthier. All that's not going to play better. And that's what's happening so far. All right, Greg. The the margin of error is very small with our AFC North record and also just uh, their schedule compared to ours. Yeah, like, we can't we can't lose. I mean, divisional games. If we want to win the division, we can't lose any more divisional games. We got to win win the rest of them, which is only two more, but we got to win both of them. Uh, Greg's asked this like six times in the chat, so I got to put it up now. <laughs> he said, is Pratt the most underrated player on the Bengals? That's a great point. 
I I think it's hard to argue with that at, at this point because of how much he's made a jump in this year, and it's also a contract year for him. I think that'll be an interesting discussion to have in the offseason. I, I think he's precisely now the player that I think a lot of people expected him to be coming out of college, eventually get getting to that point. You have, you have to remember, he was a converted safety coming out of North Carolina State. He was by far like the best athlete that they had drafted at the position for some time, but it took him a while to really settled down as a linebacker and let the game kind of slow down for him because early on he was not very good in run fits he had the speed to keep up with receivers but he just got lost in coverage too many times now I think he has a good understanding of who he is as a player he takes phenomenal angles in the run game he's still not a great linebacker in coverage because he's not like the truly the best athlete to be in space like that but I think he's completely made the most of his opportunities this year and I, I feel like he definitely earns that respect now so now am i am i right is is his contract up after this year or is yes. it next year so is is he a must sign you think or is that the reason they drafted identity man this is this is the biggest discussion this offseason. Those not are just, the questions. Right. But, I know, but, but, but that's not, right. Not, not, it's not just with pratt though it's with the entire team because everyone's talking about Bombell. yeah everyone's talking about oh the Bengals can't possibly sign burrow higgins and chase well they're damn well going to try and if they succeed you're gonna see guys leave because unfortunately the way that they structure contracts they don't always save the most cap space for these extensions and it just ends up eating a lot of the cap room so some of these guys are going to be moving on and, and that's the whole discussion of how do you continue to build a successful team around these elite talents who are going to take up so much cap space and Pratt might just be a casualty of that that's the thing is, is that's one thing we're gonna really find out here. If the Bengals, one of the things they 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 have to, they changed a lot of stuff. Like you just said there, how do they have some cap magic? You know, people are able to to manage the cap, sign deals, and do them differently to so that's not such a big salary cap hit and keep all these guys under. And that's what the Bengals are gonna have to try to figure out to do because we got we got we got Bay, Bell, we got uh, uh, Pratt, uh, Tyler Boyd's coming up. Um, Mix it. I think mix. I hate. I love mixing, but I. I think he might be a cap casualty. I, I think that's one that they might cut just because of the emergence of Piron. These are things hey, we have to do. Can, can we just? Can, we're eight and four. We just beat the Chiefs. Can we just save the off season for the off season? Greg brought it up. It's not my fault. Greg. 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 Greg come Greg on, did. man. This is like Greg your did. take that Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Okay, John. You gotta stop. John, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? You gotta ask this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, at a, it's at a Christmas party. Why would it Thank not be? You. Yeah, suck it, Greg. Yeah, there you go. There you He's trying to get back to his family. <laughs> it's all about holidays. Uh, all right, Matty here. He's got a comment here. Lamar is tired of getting his ass beat. Remember Michael Vick? Look at Kyler Murray. Look at Donovan McNabb. Look at Cunningham. All are about four or five years of getting their ass beat. They tried to be drop back quarterbacks. They all sucked. Oh, that's one thing I've said about Lamar for years. I said there's a lot of young running quarterbacks. There's not a lot of old running quarterbacks, and I think Lamar's starting. These hit, I mean, Cam Newton, these hits take their toll. Regardless of how good an athlete you are, you can't keep getting hit. You can't keep getting injured, and Lamar's been getting injured here lately. Yeah, if you're not an elite, uh, if you don't have that passing accuracy as a quarterback, time will catch up with you. You might have five, six, seven electric years, but that's honestly, that's just that's what history shows for, for that type of quarterback. I don't really like dis- I don't really like discussing Lamar to be honest. I feel like it's a lot of it's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of 
very archaic stuff being said with him. But do you think he's accurate? I yes. I see. I don't like. It's just. You think he's an accurate I feel person? like he throws like too many passes, like ten feet over guys' heads. Like maybe it's just because I don't watch all their games and I watch when we play. Them, I, I I really just, want. I really want their offensive coordinator to take the Stanford job. I want a grown-up offensive coordinator coordinating <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I want to see what he does in an actual offense because the offense that he's in really dumbs it down, and I feel like it doesn't maximize what he does. So, but and also the fact that they can't attract receivers is very concerning. I don't know if that's because they don't want to be in that in that offense. It's, I don't think it has any, anything to do with Lamar. I think it's you think the it's more that, the offense. Yeah, that they keep running. Yeah. That's fair. Well, that's why that, that that's that's a hardball offense. I mean, they've always been like that. Even when Flacco was there, they were a, a big time. Well, I mean, ring. not the read option stuff. Or anything not true. Like not that. that. Not that. Not that. But I'm just as far as a a, a heavy a heavy run. Uh, sure. Yeah, so. they've always prioritized tight ends for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, they got they got 50 of them on their on their team. <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like I see Lamar. There's receivers running wide open, and it goes 10 yards over their head. Where it goes ten yards out of bounds. Well, he missed that one. There's a touchdown pass he missed against the Bengals. A dude was wide open. He overthrew him. So, anyway, whatever. Right, let's let's we're, we got we're, we're coming off the, the Chiefs game here. I mean, so we have what, Burrow. We have one of the most accurate quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is like we're 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 spoiled. <laughs> we got jackpot, man. And and let's speaking of, let's talk about the throw that Joe made to end the game against against Chiefs to to T Higgins. Uh, NFL Live did, did a touchscreen thing on it earlier today, and it was – if you really watch it, the way they broke it down, it's I – mean, the, the, the DB's arm is there. Joe is getting hit. The guy is right here when he throws the ball. That's uh, – not every quarterback can make that throw. Not with the guy – I mean, I'm, the guy is right here when Joe's throwing it. It's not only accurate, but it's right on the money. And how he got it in there and the DB didn't get his arm down, I, I don't know. I mean – that's, I guess, why we're like, eh, Lamar's not that good. We have Joe Burrow making these throws. What do you think about the, the play there, John? I, I think looking back at it, like, because what, what Zach Taylor said after the game, he said that he doesn't normally see um, the ball come out that late on that particular route. And I feel like why that happened, it, it almost looked like Burrow was just, like, frozen in the pocket for, like, a split second. You're like, what's happening? It's like a glitch in the Matrix. And there was just a little hitch route on – the, on the play where he had like a slant flat combo t- towards the right, right? Higgins running the slant and you had Mitchell Wilcox running a little hitch over the middle. And I think Burrow is holding the linebacker there for a split second to increase a window that didn't exist. The fact that he was able to get the ball over both Wilcox and the linebacker into that spot. I think it's why he held the ball for as long as he did, but the accuracy there, like you can't, you can't explain that. It's just right. Exactly. Where it need to be the cornerback played that perfectly. It was the it was the outside arm crossing over to Higgins. He completely erased any window that was there, and he was there like in position. He right. should not fault himself. It was just the perfectly thrown ball with the perfect amount of pace. And Higgins, it, it's it's one of those just handoff plays. Like that's what the great quarterbacks do. Like some of these throws down the field, they're just handoffs because the receiver doesn't have to do anything. He just has to have where, wherever his arms or hands are at that moment. That's where the ball is going to be, and that's what that throw was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. I I mean, I, the, now the other catch, which wasn't a catch, is Chase, the one handed stab. I mean, me and Dale are, are sitting in a perfect perfect line. It was right down the side, and we can see he just stuck that hand up. Boom. I mean, I know it didn't count, but that's ridiculous. I mean, that, 
Those are that's our number one and two wide receivers on our team. We also lost though four points on Boyd's drop. Like mm-hmm. right. that that would have been that would have been the one if we lost that game that everyone would have went back to in hindsight and been like, what? And he never drops the ball, so it's historically you can't be like, oh damn, Boyd, what the hell? But that was just like, but it was teardrop perfect. But he was so wide open too. I'll, I'll, I think I'm talk- he was. Go ahead, Dale. I was Sorry. just going to say, I think he was like, holy shit, I'm so wide open. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Probably. Like, I, I want to talk about that drive real quick, though, because Boyd had two catches on that drive, and he could have finished it off with that touchdown. The first catch was the exact same play and route that Chase ran against the Chiefs last year where he like ran past eight defenders for like a 70-yard touchdown. It was that exact same play, and they ran it to Boyd that time. The other catch that he had, I recognize this play. It's the exact same play that... Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski ran like 2,000 times with the Patriots. It was just a play action. They pulled the guard, uh, Volson, around the line of scrimmage and protection. And instead of the tight end, it was uh, this time Boyd as a tight uh, slot receiver running just an over route over the middle. And we don't really see play action under center from Burrow that often. And that was one of those instances where they were just doing everything offensively. They were going out of shotgun. They were going under center. They were doing all sorts of concepts of blocking. Yeah, exactly. Everything was working. And I, it was good to see that wrinkle. And of course, like Boyd has a chance to finish out this drive where he does these two great routes and catches. It was so perfect. It was right here. And he just didn't adjust his hands for whatever reason. He's never, he hasn't dropped a pass in two years. No, that's what I'm like. He drops the easiest touchdown of all time. Right. Well, that's, that's why we're all like, we couldn't even be like, damn it, boy. We were all in the stands just like, he never dropped. We're like, what? This doesn't yeah. make sense. I, am, am, I, am I remembering this right? Was that the, was that the second drive? Because if we would, that, that board, that would put us up two touchdowns, right? So if he no, catches that. that was in the second half. Yeah, well, the they were already okay, down heart, at that point. Heart, that was okay, in the third. I think yeah. it was the third quarter. Okay, so, was it, yet, but. so the second drive, we ended up with a, a field goal. Am I, am I right? No. I remember. We, we were up 14-3. Was it okay? All right. Because no, no, then I, we got I, the ball even, and I was like, I was okay. like, I don't know if I want us to score a touchdown here because that'd be twenty-one to three, and that was that was bad for the Chiefs last year. It was like, <laughs> so the one time I was like, I don't. Dale's want brain's play. always going. <laughs> this I, is what I shot. This is what I have to deal with behind me all the time. Like, Dale, it's fine. Calm down. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, it's twenty-one three. Then the Chiefs be like, oh well, they, we were we were up twenty-one three. Like, I don't know, just bad karma that I didn't want. I said well, that at halftime. The Rock here, Ricky, said you should have brought the puppets, John. That's what I was saying earlier. You can't put his picture up without me thinking that is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Does, does that song. look? Does that look like the Rock? It actually does. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's, that's Rick the Rock. That's what I call. And him. That is an ultimate compliment. <laughs> if you smell with the Rick, smell. <laughs> um, somebody said here, Boon Tang Pot. No. Oh, here you go. No. <laughs> Boon Tang Pot. Here you go. Uh, not this, I think this is possible. You think it's possible that the, the Bengals can it's possible, but can we not do this? Can we also not do this? Just like for the season, we're like, it's possible we start off eight and oh or nine and oh. I think we could have started ten because of our, our schedule. Our, How the fuck did that work out? I, well, our offensive line play like shit. So can that, we just play no. one fucking game at a time? Can we beat Cleveland for once in two years, please? Like, fuck. I hate when we get ahead of ourselves. Like, never mind. I won't bring up the comments anymore. God. <laughs> no, I. Sorry, not, nothing personal. I'm just saying. Like, I hate that because we did that before the season started, and it's like it's the fucking NFL. It's just like saying the Chargers have an easy schedule, the Ravens has the easy schedule. There's there's injuries. It's the NFL. There's fucking bullshit calls. There's just it's chaos, right? 
Yeah, let's go. With Tom's here. I'll, I'll change the subject for you. Let's go, get back to. Kind of I'm like, going to pee. This is ridiculous. <laughs> he, are, he he just quit on me. All right, the difference between uh, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar are running QB. Lamar is more like Josh Allen without the high, without the high, both. Without the high, both still inconsistent. I think he's trying to say height. Yeah. He yeah. he did not spell check any of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, what are we doing? Why why are we pinning quarterbacks against quarterbacks, man? <laughs> I I don't know what this insecurity is with Burrow, man. Like I, he's a great quarterback. Let's just not diminish other quarterbacks. I don't I don't get it. Exactly. Oh, this is scary. If, if, if Dale's a voice of reason here, this is scary. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so. What is your what is your thoughts rolling into to to the Browns game? I mean, what what are the the keys to the game? I mean, I'm really interested in, in seeing how this offensive line is is playing now against Miles Garrett. I would like to see how they've improved from you know the beginning of. This. I know they improved a lot, but I mean, I think this is a, this is a good tipping point, a good test to see how they've done against an elite pass rusher. Now, I mean, I know we had, I mean. Chandler and Chiefs, they got to leave, but Miles Garrett has given us problems a lot since he's gotten league. So, yeah, and I don't think it's like Garrett can beat Jonah Williams a couple times in this game, and I don't think it's an indictment on Jonah. I think that's just I, I personally have Miles Garrett over T.J. Watt as the best edge rusher in the league, just because of the way that he's built and he can just do things that no one else in the NFL on the edge can do, but. Another an underrated aspect of that last game. Not only was it was the first game that Chase missed, right? And I don't think they were fully game planning to not have him. They kind of found that out in the middle of the week, so they had to kind of scramble. And then that was Trent Irwin's like first start, so no one was really ready for a passing offense against the Browns. But the Browns have did not have a. They weren't playing really well on defense, especially in the secondary entering that week, and their corners just locked them down in man coverage, and that has been kind of an issue ever since they've re began rebuilding the secondary with Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and this other AJ Green who's a young guy of Oklahoma State. So I'm I'm interested to see how these receivers square up with these guys in man. Uh, they need to be able to separate to give Burrow windows for him to get the ball out before Miles Garrett comes around the edge. Like there's a lot of things with this Browns defense that against 31 other 30 other teams doesn't work and with right. the Bengals they just they find a way to get these timing plays and able to create turnovers and it's crazy. So and the other thing that we didn't have, and I, I keep saying this is huge when we got back. And Greg said it here first, but we got DJ Reader. We didn't have him in, in the Browns game. I, I, he makes such a difference on our on our defense. I mean, he to me, he's the key to our defense. I really do. I mean, I, I our pass rush, our run stop, everything is so much better with DJ in there, and we didn't have him against against Cleveland. So I think it's another big big uh, big point that we're going to have that we didn't have last time. That was scary against Kansas City. I don't know if you guys noticed, but both Reader and Tupo did not come out of the gate playing very well. They were getting blown off the line by, albeit very good players in Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and whoever was playing for Joe Tooney at left guard. But oh, the imagine don't drafting have... Creed Humphrey over Jackson Carmen. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Browns don't have like their center, though. I think Ethan Polk is, is out. Wyatt Teller, I think, is not 100%. So that might be advantage to the Bengals at this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just about to get pissed off again about this fucking. That was <laughs> Dale is feisty today, man. <laughs> Moving on. So, anything else? Here, here, just do. Yeah, yeah. Jerry keeps putting putting this up there. You gotta go give him a follow. Well, I, I think we followed each other. I think. I think I follow him. I don't know. 
I don't know if I do or not. Oh wow, Jeff, you're really bad at this. You know, I'm dude. I'm I'm terrible. Your show, and you're just like, "Mm, I'm big time. Everyone needs a producer. I need a producer, man. I need a producer. I thought you were the producer. Wait, who? John? Oh, John is the producer. That's what I was saying. Yeah, producer of what? I don't know (laughs) stuff. The Sensi Jungle producer of puppets. Okay, let's see here. Augie, um, aside from DJ Reader, but BJ Hill has been the best thing Billy Price ever did for us. I BJ Hill has been playing, I, I, I don't know, has he been playing as good? He plays a lot better with DJ here. It was he wasn't as dominant without DJ. What, what what's your thoughts on BJ's? Uh, I I think yeah. that we still need a piece. I think he's better as a rotational defense, and maybe we have that piece. Maybe it's Tufele. Maybe it's one of these other guys. Maybe it's Zach Carter, Carter next yeah. year. It's not that right now though. That we are missing that Larry O. Other interior rush. I feel like is like a weakness, and that's not knock on BJ Hill. I think he's a really damn good yeah. player, but. I, I think in a perfect world, Zach Carter maybe becomes that, but I don't think mm-hmm. he's quite that athlete. They they need that explosion inside. Like they haven't had it since Geno Atkins was good, and right. like Larry Ogunjobi had shades of it, but he wasn't nearly as consistent. He missed a lot of plays in the backfield. He he was a true home run hitter for a three technique, while Geno <laughs> Atkins had a high batting average, if you will. So they need that guy that can you know get up there really quick in the snap and be able to finish plays in the, against the pass. I think BJ Hill. He, he like he was a nose tackle coming out of college. He was mainly a nose tackle with the Giants, mm-hmm. and he's been a three technique since he's been to, with the Bengals. But that's not his. That's not where his strengths are best utilized as a pass rusher. He gets some production there, but like you saw last year, like when he has a guy to rotate with, when his snaps are more managed against the pass, that's when the production comes. So let's talk about a, a rotation that might be happening here with uh, Mixon coming back. The rotation. Do you think it's gonna be a rotation? I know Mixon's probably gonna get most of the carry. Okay, he makes the money, but I do think it's. That's Samar J. P. Ryan. Let's go P. Ryan. I always say his name wrong. You always put the R in there every time. Um, P. Ryan has established himself as a guy that you have to give the ball to. I mean, and I think that's good for the Bengals moving forward into the playoffs because we have a potential of having both running backs with fresh legs. How do you think they're going to handle this, John? I mean, that's what every team should do, really. Like, they shouldn't have to put everything on just a single running back. And I think – what's underrated about this or over maybe overlooked this is two games in a row that he's missed with a concussion so i feel like that should be taken notice of like he might not be able to put in a full workload in his first game back so i think specifically for this game especially with how much piran has proved himself worthy as a starter like this is going to be a true 50 50 split just to start off with now if mixon's fine if he doesn't have any setbacks and he's practicing and all that good stuff like i think then he'll start to revert back to what his normal workload was before he got concussed. But I think specifically now, because he's missed multiple games, I think they're, they're going to try to ease him back in because they have a lot of confidence in Piran as well. Uh, and I agree because you do the 50-50 split now, and then, okay, if Mixon's like, okay, he's showing he's kind of good to go, ultimately the better player, the more talented guy will win out, right? will start to show more, even if you do that split for a couple weeks. And then it'll be like, then you'll give the other guy a little more of the workload. So I think it'll just play itself out. It's a good problem to have. Well, the good thing, too, is that the Bengals have 
run the ball. I mean, I know they're running the ball better, but they've been they've been um, consistent with it. You know, because there's been times at the beginning of the year people are like, we got to run the damn ball. Zach wants to throw it too much. There, it seemed like something happened in what, what do you want to say? The, the Atlanta game was that? I know Mixon went up for like five touchdowns. Was that it? When he, he well, the Browns it. game, we just didn't run the fucking ball, right? So when yeah, after, should have, so yeah, so it was like game. after that. That's when we kind of I think Zach kind of goes, all right, we got to consciously run the ball, and ever since then, I think we've been running it and running it effectively, and I think that's I mean that's really is what has got this offense going. I mean, yeah, the offensive line, Joe, and playing a lot better has a lot to do with it too. But Richard, in the comments, no, I'm not. I believe in the Bengals too. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying I still. I'm like, man, can we beat the Browns first before we run the table? Dale's I, very, very, we, Dale can't stand the Browns. I just really want this one really bad. <laughs> so I'm like, all hands on deck. I'll focus on this. The motherfuckers barking my ear. I can't stand that shit. Like, hey, you made up with the guy. Yeah, yeah. It was the end up being a Bengals fan, but <laughs> still. They, it's them. It's their barking. It's their. It, it so happened last last year at the Browns game. A, a Bengals the, slash Browns. Bengals fan was barking. Yeah, well, he was a Browns fan that day. He ever barked in Dale's ear, and it wasn't it wasn't good. <laughs> I thought we were gonna get kicked out that game. <laughs> it wasn't good. I had, had to calm yeah, down. Regardless, it's all fine. Everything yeah, we're all good now. Fine. We're all good now. We're all good now. Just I don't like the barking in my ear. I'm a grown man. Please don't bark in my ear. Well, we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be up in the suite. So nobody's gonna be barking in our in our ear this this time. We're gonna be up in the bedfred suite. Well, Jeff, way to just flop your big old dick down. That, you, hey, you actually, I just uh, okay. All right, you want to do that? You're actually going to be in the suite. They had to kill you. Actually, have tickets for it. They had to come down and get me. I might get up there sometime. So let's. let's Ooh, see. I wonder what I could sell a suite ticket for. Well, uh, some pretty pretty good money there. I would think. I don't know. John, you've never you, even thought of that. John, John's been in the uh, the uh, Cincy Jungle Suite, you know, all the time. You know, he, he would know all about it. Oh yeah, it's right at the fifty yard line. You know, it's <laughs> chrome seats. <laughs> Those sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> John, do you go to the games? Why do I never see you? No, I work during the games, and I don't have a press access, so I'm at home. He's got he's got to make sure he's writing for Sissy Jungle. I Jungle. did go to the Dolphins game. Shout out to Ron Spatola, who's my who's my plug there. There you well, go. Well, I would love to meet, hang out with John at a game, have a beer with him at some point. Hell yeah! You were at what was we the host- game you you and Anthony right last year? That the first game. Yeah, we went to the Vikings team. We didn't sit next to each other, but we, we met yeah. up at halftime. If if they have a playoff game, I was invited back down, so I'll definitely hit up you guys for the tailgate or something. Absolutely. Yeah, which we had an absolute blast at the tailgate this past weekend. We had uh, Kathy Hurst, Hayden's mom, and Bet Fred uh, donated. How much was I don't want to get the number wrong. How much did they donate again? Tw- 2500 Yeah, to the uh, Hayden Hurst uh, Foundation. So that, that was a really cool thing to have at the tailgate. We've raised like another 700 for them, and then I'm finishing up a raffle that'll raise another 500 for the Nurse Mental Health Foundation. So, yeah, so how and, I, and thank you, John, because I know Anthony's put some of that stuff out too. Yeah. Uh, him and John on their show, like about what we're trying to do, yeah. raising money for them. So, thank, thank you guys for that because I mean, that's what it's all about, right? If you have a small platform and you can raise a little bit of money to help something that you care about. That's pretty damn cool, man. Exactly. Now, here's how many spots you got left. This is this is the photo you're uh, auctioning off, basically. I, I think it's filled, but it's I may filled. I may have two because I'm waiting on one guy to get back to me. I've given him over a week, so. So there you go. That, that that's the, the. They have two the, spots, but there's ten dollars a spot to, for that print, sixteen by twenty print, Tony Lips art, um, 
he, he's the one who hit me up and was like, hey, I'd love to do this. And I was like, well, let's do $10 spot, 50 spots. And I'm thinking we might get 20 or 30 spots filled. In a week, we've filled almost 50. That's awesome. That's that's a two-day nation, baby. We support support everybody. Salute. Now, one thing here, uh, this is – it was a disappointing – I'm not disappointed he got cut, but I'm disappointed by his play. I was so excited when we drafted him. I thought Tower was going to be a big player for us, and he's just never developed. I mean – We I, were I, one bad call away from getting the same photo – we got it in the AFC Championship, but we almost got the same photo. Well, he, he, he won't be on the team football. to do it now. <laughs> I, I know you know what I'm saying though. Last of the damn refs, that was not a holding call on Logan Wilson. I don't care what anybody says. I will never say that was a holding call. That's bullshit. So, what, what was your th- thoughts on on Tyler Shelvin and his his uh, Bengals? It just untapped potential, or it just wasn't even worth it? More of the second, like he didn't really do much at LSU. But he was twenty. He was twenty. He was twenty. 20 years 20 old years when old? they drafted him. He was 23. He was pretty old, actually. No, he, was, he wasn't. What do you mean? He's 24 right now. Tyler Shelvin? Yeah. Oh. He didn't play in this last year. I think he sat out along with Chase on that team. Me but... trying to question the brain is probably a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> hey, I, you guys are the draft guys, not me. I'm just I'm just the host of the show, so I'll, I'll let you two duke it out. I don't, I don't know. He, he had his moments at LSU, but, like, you would have expected a little bit more production out of a fourth round pick. And Who the fuck also, am I thinking of? He just wasn't very athletic either. Like that's the thing with Rita. That's never really question the brain. He's twenty four now, so he had to be. <laughs> See, we, we just give you guys a nickname. You're the brain, and AC is the Godfather. So you know that the next time you guys are on, you should just have the brain. And AC has the Godfather's names on there. It's just well, shit, that was a terrible pick. Then the whole time I thought he was twenty. Basing all around his age and not anything else. Well, think of that he could improve. I mean, shit, if I'd have known he was like 23 and he was 6'2", 360, and that didn't have much production at LSU, I pro- yeah, I probably would have looked at that one a little different. And, and you're my draft guy. Jeez, oh, what the hell? Ah. <laughs> Look at that. I, I actually shut Dale up. What the hell? Point. I was, what wrong. What I was wrong, baby. Okay, I was wrong. I'm man enough to admit it. Wow. <laughs> All right, Dallas, or, uh, Dallas put this up a couple times. It says, uh, we have to be the Browns. They've been a thorn in our side recently, but guess what? You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. Who day? Jackpots on fire for MVP. And I'm glad he brought up the MVP talker. And I, that's one thing. And I think that's that's what the Burrow has, has gotten himself into the conversation here over the last couple of weeks where he, he's not – Leading, I mean, I, I think they're they're saying he might be like third right now as far as quarterback. It's gonna be a quarterback, you know, award. It usually is. Where, what do you think his chances are? How, how has he improved to get into that, or, or just do some MVP talk about Burrow? It doesn't help that Jalen Hurst and Mahomes came out of the gate firing, and right, right. Burrow didn't, unfortunately, because of things that weren't necessarily in his control. Appendectomy. So. Exactly. Like, I feel like it, it matters more what you do to finish the season than when yes. you start. Like, that would that would be my case. And also the fact that, I mean, this is this is never really how it goes. It's usually just the quarterback who is the most productive on the team that finishes, like, first or second in the conference, which is why Mahomes and Hurts are still the front runners. But when you talk about, like, true value, I feel like Mahomes and Burrow have the best cases because of what Burrow has had to endure this year, not having his number one receiver for multiple weeks, ha- going through the adversity 
early in the season. Like the Bengals are where they are because of Burrow. Just like Mahomes, like he lost his number one receiver and they haven't missed a beat offensively, right? Like that's why he deserves to remain in that conversation. I know people, some voters will take the head to head into account. And also the fact that I think the MVP voting is different this year where I think people can vote for multiple guys multiple instead of just yes. one, right? So the the results should favor Burrow more than they would if the if the voting was kept the same. I don't think he wins it right now, but if he just completely just eviscerates right. these next five guys, I feel like he'll probably be the favorite by then. I yeah. feel like this was a conversation we started, what, Jeff, two or three weeks ago, and I said, he's not there. He shouldn't. He's not there now, I said, but he's getting there. if they win and they keep winning and he mm-hmm. keeps playing well, he's fully going to be like right in the mix of the top couple guys. Now, one thing you said, said there, John, is the the head to head. Do you would do you count? Would you count the head to head? I mean, I would. Go, right I got to bounce, brother. You guys finish this one out. I'm gonna right. jump on brew jackets. All right, right, man. I'll be I'll be on there in a little bit later. So so uh, do you? Um, what I didn't remember the question I asked you. What did I what did I ask you? <laughs> head to head. Yeah, head to head. Do you do you take that into account? Because I mean, let's just go head to head with Patrick Holmes. Burrow was beating on him three times in a row, but this year, first head-to-head, he beat him. Do you think that would come into – do people take – voters take that into account when you're voting on MVP? You know, it's Mahomes or Burrow. And to me, I'm like, well, if you're comparing well, how they do against each other. Burrow beat him. Now, Mahomes had good numbers still, but, you know. Yeah, it's fair. It's a tiebreaker. I think you still have to weight the overall performances from a season-long standpoint. And I think right. Mahomes right now just has the cleaner-looking thing, and he has that case of doing this all without Tyreek, right? So – I, I feel like that's still where the conversation exists now, but if the gap continues to get na- more narrow and narrow, people will look at that game, the fact that Mahomes hasn't beaten Burrow in three times now, the fact that Burrow is the reason why they've beaten Mahomes, they're the first team to do it for three consecutive meetings, that, that should account for something if it gets as tight as we expect it to get. Now, I have a question. Talking about DJ Reader, and I'm talking about how a big impact he's had on this team and on this defense. Now, uh, he was hurt for uh, about a month or so. And I've been, uh, before he got hurt, I was banging the drum. I wanted him to be a pro bowler, all pro player. I know it's going to hurt him. I know it's going to hurt him. But does he still have a shot, in your opinion, if he's playing? I know he got to a bad start in this game, but he can play at the rate he's playing now. Do you think he has a shot at being an uh, all pro, pro bowl player this year? Man, he should have been a pro bowl last year. Uh, I agree with that. Yes. So I don't know if. The fact that like he's more well known now because of last season would help him. I, I don't think missing games helps his case, and I think it's really hard for defensive tackles who don't get sacks to end up going because right. not everyone looks at pass rushing production and win rate and all the other stuff. At, at the end of the day, you look at whatever columns or stats right. are listed on the Pro Bowl ballot, and it's usually just tackles. And as, for as many stops as he makes, he's probably still not, not amongst the league leaders. So that's just that's what Pro Bowl politics are, though. You know? Yeah, I just wish they'd look at the impact that he makes on the overall team because, I mean, he just takes two guys most of the time and pushes them forward and puts them wherever he wants. I mean, that's a huge impact. I know that, that they don't have any uh, domination stats. With that. That's something we should come up with. But he just he dominates <laughs> most guys that are in front of him. You know, And I know he's not more of a pass rusher, but he helps the pass rush. He's the reason Joseph Osai was able to get that, that sack at the end of the game. He's the reason Sam Hubbard's able to get some more and, and, and uh, Erickson and all this. I mean – he makes that whole thing work, I think, more than he gets credit for. 100%. For sure. Now, as, yeah, this is kind of cool. I've been telling everybody this. Last time the Chiefs beat the, the Bengals was 1984. I was nine. <laughs> John, were you even alive then? 
That that, that was at Cincinnati. Though, uh, in Cincinnati, yes, yeah. yes, in Cincinnati. Yeah. Last time we was no, I was not alive. I didn't think so. I'm, geez, everybody's on the show is always younger than me. Anyway, <laughs> all right, John, you've been on for over fifty minutes. I appreciate it. What do you got coming on with the puppets? Orange and black. You and the Godfather. Any stories? What do you? I'll let you plug whatever you want right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, we just did our recap shows for both the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast and the number one Bengals podcast. So definitely check out both of those on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, thank you guys yeah, yeah. for having me on. And you and you know, uh, Bridget is a uh, DJ Reader's best friend now. Did you, did you see that? Man, I was so jealous. That was I awesome. For well, I told her, I said, you got to have DJ on your show. First of all, I said, did you ha- ask him to be on my show? I said, no, screw that. Did they ask him to be on your show? <laughs> like, you got to have him on. <laughs> yeah, like when when she told us, like me and the puppets, I'm like, that's awesome. And of course, uh, Daddy was like, yeah, ask him to be on the show. Like, no one has the shamelessness as Daddy does. Like, that dude is just. <laughs> Out at He should have been a sports agent in his past life or something. <laughs> Daddy is one of a kind, brother. Yeah. All right, John. Appreciate it, man. Who day? See you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, if you're interested, uh, we are going to be going live on Brew Jackets here. They might be starting here in a couple of minutes. So. You want some more silly shenanigans? Uh, it's gonna be hockey talk. We talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but that'll be up here. I said probably like six thirty. I think you're going on. I got a link. I haven't looked at it. Anyway, let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar, and then as always, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. Like I said, I'm at 3,000 followers on Twitter. I'm just, I can't believe 3,000 people are following me. Now, if you follow me on Twitter and you haven't subscribed to the show, why not? <laughs> Please do so. So if you follow me on Twitter, you watch this Twitter, go to YouTube, type in Sports Strawberry Ice and hit the subscription button. I would greatly appreciate it. TikTok is at Iceman90. YouTube, like I said, I'm at 1,987 subscribers. I gotta tell you guys this every single show, and I mean this for you. You're probably gonna tired of me of, of, of hearing it, but thank you. If it wasn't for you guys watching the show, paying attention to what I say, then none of this would be happening. So I appreciate the hell of it. Sincerely do. I enjoy doing this. I'm glad you guys have fun with me. This is supposed to be. It's sports, man. And if you're not enjoying what's going on right now, and you're a Bengals fan, they shoot. Because, I, dude, I remember telling everybody last year, I was like, enjoy this. This doesn't happen all the time. Guess what? It's happening again. We're going on a heater. We might win out. I don't know. We'll see. Now, I fixed the computer. I fixed my phone. I should be able to put this on the podcast. So, if you missed anything, you want to listen to it at work or in the car or whatever tomorrow, it should be on the podcast on BeanPod. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Boy, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Go watch Brew Jackets. Let's go have some fun. Man, I, this is going to be a long week. I, I cannot wait till Sunday. Screw the Browns. It was Brown. Flush it down. Ready? That's just sports, baby. See ya! Gonna fly. The beast is awake, orange, black, and white.
Cause when the jungle come alive, who they we ignite in Cincinnati, we gon' rise in the In the jungle, we unite in the Drippin' orange and black and white Who day when we fight, live and die in these stripes Wake up the feast, every game day is a feast Time to bust it off the leash In the jungle, drippin' heat Tigers strike the city streets East side, stand up West side, stand up If you reppin' who day Time to put your hands up Bingo stripes, we in it New day, new age, yeah, we get it Cincinnati jungle fitted Who they in our house, we win it Orange and black and white, we build it Earn our stripes, you know we kill it Bleed our colors, jungle dripping Nasty natty, yeah, we lit it Lit the crowd, get the city loud Yeah, we feasting now Fit the bounce, make the city howl Now we beastin' now Thunder through the tunnel From the sideline to the huddle Stripes, we tatted on the jungle When we flex that Who they muscle on them? Stripes! Cincinnati, we gon' rise in the in the jungle we unite in the Drippin' orange and black and white Who day when we fight Live and die in these stripes Now who got a move like it on Now who wanna move close and on Now who wanna move on If you got stripes Then you let the city know you rock them Yeah we got them, yeah we fought them Like that black and orange or bottle Bingo bottle, never stop it Till the beast of beast and know Cincinnati jungle fitted, who they in our house? 
stop it to the beast of East and Nota. Who ain't rocking with the diamond stripes? Flossing on the wings. Cincinnati sees our queen. We gon' show the world who king. in the day, black in the night. Stripes in our veins, sparks gonna fly. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the AFC champion, ass-beaten of the Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals. Now do me a favor, if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'll up to 1,986 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to the channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you got something you really want us to put up, a question you have set for Centauri on film study or something you disagree with him, because sometimes people disagree with him. You should follow his Twitter. It's good. Give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. Now I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out your website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And, of course, always brought to you by the one and only delicious Jackpot Joey Beer. It's not only delicious, but, like I said, it's award-winning. Won the uh, American Light Ale Lager. Of the year, so make sure you check it out. It is getting to be everywhere. I just got tweeted back from uh, Kroger uh, about two days ago. I'm trying to get it in the Kroger everywhere. So they said they're going to send it to the marketing team and yada, yada, yada. So hopefully it'll be coming to a Kroger near you. But I know it's a Jungle Gyms, Cork and Bottle, and there's hundreds of other places it is. And it is in Kentucky as we speak. Now, this Sunday, me and my boy Dale Allman and... Orange Arrow are going to be in the Beth Fred Suites watching the Bengals kick the Brownies' ass. I can't wait. Now, if you have not heard, sports betting is going to be legal here in the great state of Ohio here come January 1st. And if you haven't done it yet, please sign up down there, bethfredsports.com slash Ohio slash Bengals underscore boys to sign up there. They have a chance to win Bengals tickets. So if you sign up here soon, you might have a chance to hang out in the suite with us this coming Sunday. Not only that, they give you a $20 free bet come January 1st. You can double that down. Bet on the Bengals win the Super Bowl, which uh, we're on a heater, which I told Satori last week. We're on a heater, and he didn't believe me, but we're on a heater. Sorry, I got to say. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys enjoy that. Now, one other thing I forgot to put up is the uh, Jackpot Joey. I had the beer. The banner, or the, uh, excuse me, the merchandise. If you guys want any of the hats, or I was saying the hat, but the flags, hats, hoodies, shirts, anything like that, go to jackpotjoey9.com. Portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Fund. So we are very happy to uh, have donated a lot of money. We are, uh, uh, Matty's in the chat. He can probably tell you how many, how much money we have actually donated. And uh, it's it's getting it's getting pretty high uh, for three guys basically doing this. I'm I'm pretty proud of it myself. So make sure you go to jackpotjoey9.com. All right, let's get to it. We got we guys are here for film study. We're here for the one and only Centauri. What up, man? How we doing? We're on a heater. We're on a heater. I told you so. I told you. Oh, sorry. 
I never said we weren't on a heater. You said, okay, if you want to call it that. I'm like, that's what I would call it. <laughs> I just hadn't heard that term in a while. That's why I said it. I'm old. Shut up. <laughs> oh, goodness. So what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just been watching a lot of films now that I finally got internet back in my life. That's good. That's good. I like you because you know, you, I'm glad you're watching a lot of film because, you know, that's what we're here for. So before we get into that, what what was you were at the game and you actually had a pretty cool person you got to sit next to. Well, close to uh, what was that like? And and Bagels of Bourbon thinks you're you're a football savant, you know, so let, let's get let's get to a little bit of the story you're telling me before, you know, as much as you want to tell before uh, we uh, get going here. I mean, I was, uh, I guess, incredibly lucky enough to sit. uh like a seat behind Elizabeth Blackburn. I lucked into tickets right behind her season tickets. So um, she was actually sincerely one of the nicest people I'd got to talk to. Um, and she was fired up the entire game. Um, <laughs> but she was just like everybody else. You know, when, when Boyd dropped the the deep fade, you know, she did. She didn't yell or cuss or anything, but you tell, you know, she wasn't happy kind of thing. <laughs> Um, she said that bull bleep. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. I don't think she said anything. It, it was more of a than than anything. But you know, she was uh she was definitely feeling the energy, um, willing to talk, take pictures, you know, whatever. Um, it was her, uh, some of her family, and you know, a lot of her friends just sitting up there. It was um, I, I always used to say when I would watch Mark Cuban that I wish I had an owner that sat in the stands with the fans, and I kind of have that now. So yeah. that was. And I was, you know, got to personally witness it. And I was like, this is kind of neat that, you know, it's, it, it was one of those things where, you know, you could tell she was a fan and it wasn't like you, you wouldn't have picked her out of that section and said, oh, yeah, she's in the executive office with this team. Right. You just thought she was anybody else. Right. And the thing is that they're so she's so down to earth. I mean, I, I've only talked to her a couple of times, not, not, not real long conversations or anything, but she's, she never big times yet. Like, you know, she never is like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, you know, one of the executives here. I'm, you know, my dad, my grandpa owns a team. I mean, you know, right. I don't ever get that vibe from actually any of them. I've met Troy. I've met Katie. None of them. I remember last year I was in the pro shop and Troy and Katie walking in the pro shop. I'm like, Hey, how you guys doing? And they talked to me for like 10 minutes. I'm like, I was like, you guys mind getting a picture taken? And Katie goes, you don't want a picture of me. I said, sure I do. So I got a picture with them. Uh, that's that's what's so cool about there. There's they're very down to earth, normal people, and I think that's a lot with the way the Bengal players are too. And like I said, I had I had uh, the Brits on Saturday, Ken Taylor Brits, and uh, and his family, and th- I met them Sunday. They got to hang out with us at the tailgate and have a good time. They're as down to earth as anybody, and that I always find that refreshing because you always hear about how athletes always, you know. They, they get the money, they get the fame, they you know, all this stuff. They're like, oh, you know, we're, we're above here. I don't ever get that with any of the Bengals players or executives. Yeah, and it's uh, it was ironic because I was talking to my dad and I was, you know, she was, you know, very willing to talk to me, especially, you know, after they had just won. You know, I if I was in her shoes, I'd been like, okay, I got to get down to the clubhouse or to, you know, mom or grandpa or whoever in that scenario. I'd have been starting to bolt. I mean, I remember when we won our state championship, when I coached, my first thought was get down to the field because I was right. up in the booth for that game. And I was like, I, I got to go. Like I was hauling ass. That I, I didn't high five anybody. I didn't congrats. I was, just, go, I, I was just trying to get back with my team. Right. Um, And like fireworks are going off. They're playing sweet victory uh, from SpongeBob, which is yeah. kind <laughs> of a funny touch. Um, 
Great song. And I was like, hey, do you have a minute? She's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, now Grant, it was like screaming, do you have a minute? Because it's so damn loud. Do you loud. have a minute? I want to talk to you. Now, this this is the burning question. Now, Fiji here said, he asked me, he said, when are you going to get her on your show? I said, I haven't had a chance to do that. Now, I did ask and Tori, I said, did you did you ask her to come on your show? I mean, that would have been like one of the things I would have I would have brought up, but you didn't. No, no, I um, I I had a couple things that I, I had wanted to to say to her for the last couple months. If I it was one of those things like if I ever get the chance to meet her in person, I, I had a couple things I wanted to say, and I had the opportunity. Nothing mean or you know, fueling well, <laughs> or anything. Well, that's good. Um, I'm just waiting to get this off my chest to you. <laughs> no, um, much more the opposite. Awesome. Um, but you know, I, I wanted to take that moment to actually have a small heartfelt conversation with someone. She has no idea who I am. Um, and she was very willing to do that. So if you're out there watching it, I appreciate it. Of course she is. All of them watch my show. I mean, come on, this, this ice man, man, you know, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But yeah, that, that sounded like I saw the picture. I'm like, Oh dude, that is so cool. I knew she, I, I didn't know she, her tickets were up there. I knew, her and her sister hang out up there. I didn't know they actually had tickets up there. Those are season tickets. Wow. That's for, I mean, that's, that's the thing. They're not sitting in the box. They're not, hell, they're not sitting down by me. They're not sitting at the 50 yard line. They're up in the, in the, uh, the canopy area. They're yeah, up I won't, the I won't the say the section because I don't want people to be right, right. Yeah, <laughs> looking right, yeah. for her, but yeah, let, let them figure that out. We're not the, we're yeah. not the totally, totally outer, <laughs> yeah. but it, I but can tell still, you the section, the row, the seat. Yeah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I know exactly where she is. You guys all swarm there next week. No, right? No, we're not. We're not putting that out there. But that's that's still that's cool that they're up there. I mean, they're uh, I, they're, they're up there. It was cold. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I think it's colder up there than what was down by by us. You guys got that wind coming through the, through the top there. Yeah, for sure. But no, it was a uh, very very pleasant experience. Um, very, very thankful that I had the opportunity to, to talk to her. That's awesome. Yeah. Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the show is on Mr. Brown in Mr. Brown's office right now. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Mike Brown is going, all right, on everybody out. Ice is on. All right. No, 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 no trade now, talk. No, nothing. We're watching ice. <laughs> I, I know people kind of know about this, but this is, um, it's not a secret and anybody can do it. Um, but, Mr. Brown obviously has a uh, Mr. Brown, Mike Brown, obviously has a very uh, we'll call it controversial reputation in our city. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that don't like him, yeah. um, and that was kind of part of my conversation with Elizabeth. Um, but one thing that if if you're not aware of, um, he's very personable. And if you mail him a letter, he will write you back like clockwork within 48, 72 hours. You'll have it as fast as the United States Postal Service can. It'll be handwritten. He'll answer almost all of your questions. It'll be right back in your mailbox. That's awesome. That man is highly accessible. It, it, granted, it's a little bit of an older way, but that's his way of doing it. And right. he will he will write back. Eighty-something so, years old. Yeah, he probably he probably doesn't do emails and stuff very yeah, well. Yeah, he's not you know sending out like Instagram reels to fans. He's not on cameos. <laughs> he's not on TikTok or nothing like that. <laughs> no, but you know, I I've had a couple attempts to get a hold of the the Brown and Blackburn family, and both have been super easy, and they've been more than kind. Um, which growing up as a kid with the records that the Bengals were having, it was kind of like, man, I can't stand this guy and. Um, you know, this is terrible. I want new ownership, w- whatever I was saying as a kid. We all went through that. Um, yeah. As time has progressed and, you know, people are easier to access now than they were 
20 years ago, easily. I don't think anybody would argue that. No. Um, and, and they've kind of come into the forefront of the city. They're truly some of the nicest people I've ever met. And I think they were some of the most mislabeled and misunderstood people in this entire city. Um, and I'd always read stuff from like Paul Dockery saying that he's super nice. I'd always read stuff from reporters that actually get his ear and can interview him in the office that he's one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um, and I was like, there's no fucking way. But the just the couple conversations I've got to have with the family, they've been fantastic. So, Absolutely. I mean, the, the time, like I said, you've actually had a sit down. Mine's more of their walking you know, from practice field to, to the office or whatever. I, I might get them to stop and talk for, for like, you know, a minute or something, but this time they, they do. And, you know, and Mike Brown, he, he, he I've got him to stop one time because <laughs> he's on his golf cart driving in, but you know, he's, he's been very nice. And you, you can hear it from ex players, the ex players like Pac-Man Jones, Tom Wilcox, you know, Boomer. These They're guys are very grateful. Mike. They, they love, love Mike Brown. Yeah. I, I think the misconception was that he didn't want to win and that's right. just not true. He wanted to win, and he wants to win just as much as anybody else in this entire city. Trust me on that. Um, he was trying to win the way his father wanted to win. And mm-hmm. from my understanding, his dad didn't like big, splashy free agency moves. His dad – He voted against it. He didn't yeah, want his, it. His dad believed in grooming talent from the ground up. And, you know, I, I think after quite a long run of it not exactly working – he finally gave in and you're seeing the result of him giving in and changing his ways. So it's never that he didn't want to. I think he just wanted to do it and do right by his dad, which I understand completely wanting to do right by your dad. So I'll, I'll never fault him for that. Um, did it take him a little longer than I would have liked? Sure. But am I happy that I'm in the spot oh, I am now? hundred percent. I mean, I, and, I, and here's I, the deal. If it, if I, you know, Mike Brown's still in charge and then it goes to, you know, Katie and Troy, and then it goes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth's 28, like I am. If they're going to be holding the reins for the next 60 years, you're in good hands because mm-hmm. they get it. Because the, exactly. the fact that it wasn't like a gradual change either. It, it was not a gradual change. They they flipped the script 100% with what they wanted to do and how to approach things, and it went. We're back. Yep, I'm here. Go ahead, keep going. Did Stupid you hear internet. anything I said? No, I uh, it, the screen <laughs> went the screen went black. I, I heard if, you know if Elizabeth takes over, we'll be in good hands. That's that's last well, I heard. Well, what I was going to say is the the family once they've kind of switched to a more modern approach to building a team, right? Um, you saw instant results. So they knew exactly what they needed to do to make this a modernized team. They understand what's with the times, so to say. So once they got with the times, you're in a Super Bowl in 18 months. So if those are the people that are going to be constantly constantly monitoring and going with us, you've got nothing to worry about as long as you get the right pieces. All right. And one, one thing I say from a, a older lifelong Bengals fan, I mean, like I said, I remember both Super Bowls, the whole decade of the 90s. For me, that the whole 90s completely sucked as far as being a Bengals fan. It was horrible. And I still – Sat there and watched every game that I could that was on TV. I didn't see the tickets then because halftime they were they were blacked out. Going through all that, listening to all the crap I've gotten my whole life to ESPN, Fox, all these guys saying Jackpot Joey Burrow doesn't want to come to Cincinnati. He's he, he's a horrible organization. It's this yada yada yada. Going through all that, 
to what we're going through right now, I am enjoying the hell out of it. And to me, right now, when we win the Super Bowl this year, I'm like I said, speaking to fruition, when we win it, I wouldn't change a damn thing. It sucked, but I'm going to, like last year, I enjoyed so much. I'm going to, when we win the Super Bowl, I'm going to enjoy it even more because of what we went through. I mean, what Great. other, what other fan base has went through what the Bengal fan base has went through over the last 30 years? You know, I mean, name one. Not, not many. Yeah. I mean, the only one I could kind of think of <clears throat> before uh, they got good is, is the Patriots. I mean, Patriots went before Tom Brady and, and, and Belgium. They went to two Super Bowls. That's it. They weren't a great, you know, franchise. They were an okay, okay franchise, kind of like the Bengals. They went to two Super Bowls before we got uh, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. Now, we went to one already. We'll see how many we go to. That's the only other comparison. I'm not, and I'm not comparing us to, to New England. I'm not saying we're going to go to, you know, win seven Super Bowls. I'm just saying as far as the history of what uh, New England football was compared to what it is now, right. that's the project. For me, that's the trajectory we're on. I don't know if we're going seven. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as far as from there to here. And it's a journey that not a lot of fans can handle. I mean, we had a lot of Bengals fans jump. They left. Like, screw it. I'm going to be Steelers fans. I'm going to be Colts fans. I'm going to go root for the Patriots. I'm Fans like me, fans, fans like Bengal Jim and Tony Tiger and, and my boy Dale and Derek and you, all, all of us, we stuck with them. And Well, I, I don't know awesome. if you can super include me in that list. I mean, my, I didn't start <laughs> watching until 2002 when I was eight. There you go. Well, I'm a spring chicken. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't I was fortunate enough to miss that entire decade. You know, my my boy wants wants me to add him, but he wasn't alive in the 90s. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean honestly, since he's been alive, they went to more playoff games than, than they did way before that. So yes, we 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 include ice uh Prince Ice there. But I mean that that's just something that I think is very unique and to get where we're at, like I said, it sucked. It was horrible, I hated it. But it makes me enjoy this even more. And and I don't I hope I don't take this for granted. I hope Bengal fans don't take this for granted. You know, I, I think I uh, I think I annoy the hell out of my dad <laughs> every single day. I'm like, do you understand how blessed and lucky we are right, right now? Like we well, look, look at the Reds. I'm sorry. Look at the Reds. That's that's the other professional team we have in here. Look, look what they're doing. Well, I mean, I just remember. Everybody ooing and gooing over the 2005 team, and granted, that was the oh. first halfway decent team they had had in Since 20 years. Right? Yeah, right. And then everybody's like, "Oh my god, this 2015 team's great." They started eight and zero, and Andy was looking great, and I'm like, still Andy, I don't know. And now you've got this, and I'm like, this is completely different. Like, <laughs> like you know, this is a. Uh, you need to really, really, really appreciate this. And I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer here, but this is 100 how this is probably going to go. I would be shocked if Burrow does not win at least one Super Bowl. He's just that kind of guy. He just wills things to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're going to get two and three and four, but I would be shocked if you didn't get at least one. Mm-hmm. When he leaves, the next quarterback you're going to have is probably a situation like the Patriots where you're going to go down to like a Mac Jones or Andy now, Dalton. When you say he leaves, you mean when he retires a Cincinnati Bengal. Right. Yeah, okay. When, when his time comes that he's no longer here. Which is which is at least 15 years from now, at least. Unless I, some kind of... I would hope, but you're probably yeah. going to be going down to a, an Andy or a right. Mac Jones right after that. You're not going to get lucky like the Colts did and go from Manning to Luck. And quite or frankly, they had, a, they had a year there where, <laughs> where they had to earn Andrew Luck. 
Right. So, or, or, or the Packers, where they went, went from Favre to, to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that, right. that doesn't so happen. Really, really, really appreciate what you have going on right now. This is not normal. This is not uh, an expectation. This is rarefied air that you're in, and hopefully it lasts another 10 years or so. Um, and then after that, it's probably going to be back to square one. So, really, really, really appreciate every single snap that you're seeing from this stuff right now because. You don't know when it's going to end, and when it does, it's going to be impeccably hard to duplicate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- these things don't come around often. You, you are he- you're heaven on earth right now. Yeah, you, you are literally you're literally we are literally in the midst of midst of. And I I don't think I'm out of line saying this. Jackpot Joey Burrow being the best quarterback the Bengals have ever had. Oh, here he is. It's yeah, he already is. I mean, Boomer's even said that he's better. Ken Anderson said he's better than him. I mean, I, the stuff like I was listening to. Um, Oh, what podcast was it last night I was listening to? I listened to so many, I can't remember. But um, oh, oh, it was, it was uh, uh, in the trenches with Dave Lapham and uh, Jim Nance was on there, and he was saying that uh, he had dinner. Well, he didn't have dinner, but he, he he was at Jeff Ruby's place Saturday night, and and the Burroughs were there. Jimmy, Jimmy and his mom and, and uh, Joe's mom were there, and he was talking to them, and they're like, "Hey, you know, go see Joe's." Like, no, he's you know doing film study and stuff. We kind of leave him alone. And he goes, you know, it struck me. He goes, because he, he goes, he's he's friends, pretty good friends with Tom Brady Senior. He goes, Tom Brady's the only other quarterback dad that told me that exact same thing. <laughs> that that when they come into town with Tom, they don't really hang out with him too much before the game or whatever. The night before he's film study, he's doing all this. He's he's like, so that's something right there that it, you don't see. And and Joe's in his third year, you know. I mean. That's what I'm telling. I, I, I remember telling my in-laws this. I'm like, we got jackpot. Like all, and this is when he got hurt. Like, oh, he hasn't won anything. I was like, I'm telling you, this kid is different. I was like, I just everything I've heard about, he's different, and that's what we have. And it's so rare and so special that you know, just just enjoy this. I mean, you, you know, quit all the fighting with each other and all this. Just enjoy being I, Bengals yeah. fans. I don't really give a shit if someone says he's one, two, three, fifth, eighth bank quarterback in the league. I don't care. I know what I got, mm-hmm. and it's gold. So appreciate it. You can rank gold all you want. Gold's gold, and you got it. So appreciate it while you have it. They don't last right. forever. If, if Jackpot, this is Matty. He says meeting Boomer size of February third before the Super Bowl. If you meet him, I'm coming with you. So I gotta say. <laughs> I'm coming with you. All right, we've rambled on enough here. I know there's lots of comments in there that uh, can, can you pull up Gregory's there. comment real quick? Uh, last one. This one. Where? Yeah. So Montana to Young. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does happen. It does and, happen. It does. Um, that happened uh, 30 years ago. Was the last time we've had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks on a team. It's happened one time in 30 years. Um, so there's your example. Once. There you go. Uh, okay. You, you yeah, might be able to, to say Rogers, but they had him sitting on the bench ready to rock and roll. Yep. All right, here you go. The channel wants to put this up because I disagree. I think the organization has made a fundamental shift in momentum and style of ownership. They want to win. I think we have people in the office who will keep us competitive for years, which I, I don't disagree. We're with? not. Yeah, we're not disagreeing with that. The, what we're what we're saying is. You might not draft Joe Burrow. <laughs> right. That's what we're saying. That's yeah, I'm, the difference. I'm saying, Joe Burrow is once a lifetime quarterback. That's what we're saying. So that's Chandler, right? Yes, yeah, Chandler. So Chandler, what I'm saying is um, they're going to keep you competitive, and that's awesome. And all's fair in love and war. 
but the odds of landing another Joe Burrow the year Joe Burrow leaves are astronomically low. That's all I'm saying. It, it could so enjoy Joe it, while you have him. Yeah, it has happened. But either way, I'm not even worried about that right now. I'm like, I'm enjoying this. Live for yeah, today. Just, uh, have fun. Ev- every day you need to wake up and thank God that Joe Burrow is your quarterback. <laughs> right. Exactly. Saying. And I, I agree with what I say. I, I think the, the organization has fund, like, fundamentally changed. I mean, we're signing free agents. We're, we're doing stuff that we never know. We, we, we're doing stuff we've never done ever in this organization. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a fundamental change that they did make and it's well-deserved. I'm, I'm very happy they did because if they didn't, Joe might not stay, but they, but they did stay. They did change, and Joe is staying. He's not going anywhere. They're going to pay him. I'm, I just want to be able to pay everybody He's else. He's building a house right now in Anderson. He's not going yes. anywhere. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> He's exactly. building building a million-dollar house in Cincinnati. Why would he do that if his contract's coming up and he's leaving? Right, exactly. In this market. Come on. He's not dumb. Exactly. All right. All right, we got the brownies coming up here, but let's, for one last time this week, let's roll back to that unbelievable game against the Chiefs. And let's do some film study here. So what you what you got here? We're talking uh, Chiefs coverage, uh, the coverage they played on the Bengals, correct? Yeah. So they ran a couple different looks. This one just kind of stuck out to me. Um, it, it's nothing crazy. This is a pretty standard coverage. Um, what I would kind of call it is uh, – hold on. Let me get the color right here. Uh, this is cover three sky. Okay. So a lot of times we talk about how coverages – are disguised and we talk about how Joe Burrow's reading the disguise. Well, right now, right, if you would look at this coverage for what it is, you have pressed up look there, you have pressed up look here, you've got a hat on a hat here, um, you've got kind of a shallow safety who's playing inside leverage and a guy that looks like he might rock back to the middle. So this could be man, um, he could very well drop back and it be two. They definitely have someone in the middle ready to rock and roll. So on first glance, if you just had to kind of guess what it is based on the alignment, you would say it's probably cover one robber with man underneath. Um, What ends up happening, though, and this is what tips it off, is, and we see this every single week in the NFL, um, they send Jamar Chase in motion, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When you watch Jamar come in motion, no one follows him, okay? So the reason you send somebody in motion is to tell if it's man or zone. No one follows him. It's zone. Okay. But what it does is it does bring the safety down in the box a little bit more. Okay. So you're getting a true single high look at this point. So at this point, you can say it's either cover one press man, which we know it's not man because he didn't go in motion or it's some kind of variation of a zone. Okay. If it's cover three, that means this guy's going to drop. This guy's going to come over here, and you're going to have deep middle, deep third, and one of these two, I believe it's this guy, has deep third. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there's different variations of cover three. So three just strictly means you've got this split up into two, three different spots. All three spots equally split, one, two, three, right? Um, the issue with cover three is traditionally speaking, you have a hook to curl, a hook to curl, um, and no one in the flat. And a lot of times you bring one extra guy because you can. Um, if you're going to bring someone down into the flat on cover three, a lot of times it's field side, which would be this side. Um, but they bring him down, and he's going to kind of play a flat to hook to curl over here. And he's traditionally a safety, right? So the tag word for that is sky. 
So you'll hear cover three sky, cover three cloud, cover three buzz. Sky is the safeties playing the flat. Cloud is the corners playing the flat. Buzz is the backers playing the flat. So this is a cover three sky look. Um, the issue with that is you've got nobody that's going to be playing this window over here. Okay. And that's the weak spot in a cover three sky. Joe knows that. The linebackers know that. You know who else knows that? Pirine. Mm-hmm. Because he bleeds out. You see anyone in this spot right here? Nope. Okay. When you're able to recognize coverages ahead of time, and by the way, like we said, you've got a deep third, a deep third, and a deep third. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> when you're able to recognize coverages like that, and you've got time, all you have to wait is for one person to sit down in the sweet spot of his zone. And you let Piran go. Jackpot Piran. <laughs> so you'll kind of see this on the flip uh, view here when we go to the tight. So you've got your safety walk down. He's got a flat. He probably should have got a little bit more diagonal, but he kind of still sits over here. Right. This guy also didn't get very far. This entire half of the field Somebody is there. almost uncovered. Yeah, I don't know if there. that's by design. Uh, or if these linebackers just didn't quite know their responsibility enough. Um, but first and foremost, I always want to give credit to the line where the lines do. Joey has a lane to step up. He's already flipped the ball out. And Pirine's got nothing but green there you to go. go in front of him. So that's more or less how you break a cover three, is you just wait for one of those flats to open up. Um, now, we got a question. I don't remember if we did this or not. Times if you look on YouTube, but... Uh... Did we do a film study on the on the first Browns Bengals game? I don't. I don't. Were, were we doing it there? Uh, no, I was not uh, in a great frame of mind that week, personally. <laughs> okay, um, I could so, did, no. <laughs> I did not so, do film that week. Okay, I could. I could. I was trying to think. If we. I'm like, did we do it or not? I mean, he's asking questions. Like, I don't remember. Did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I didn't do great that week in my life. <laughs> uh, uh, this is one cool. I, I love this, Rick. The Rock says Samar J slammed Justice Reed Justin Reed's face in the turf so hard I thought he was going to get arrested for attempted murder today. How I mean, well, let's real quick before we go to the next one. How how good is Samar J? Samar J. Gotta say his name right. Samar J. How good is he playing right now? Is is it more confidence in himself or is it more confidence in the line? I think he could always do this. It's just he's playing the best he's ever played as in the bank as far as being a Bengal. So I think a, a lot of people are kind of running away with this idea that he's become this amazing running back. He's a average running back. Okay, he runs tough. He doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle to him. He doesn't have a whole lot of juice. He doesn't have breakaway anything to him. Um, he's smart. He knows how to grind and he knows how to kind of produce an extra yard when it's not necessarily there. He's more the lunch pail worker running back to where Mixon's a little bit more flash and dash, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree. I mean, I, I think Mixon is the better running back when he comes back. He's going to be our, our RB1. He, he will. Um, P. Ryan's a fantastic NFL running back. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he is made to do one thing, and that is be a battering ram, whether Punch. that is, yes, whether that is to get in the way of a pass rusher and stonewall him for a second, 
Um, or, you know, surprisingly for his size, because 240 normally, especially at 5'10", isn't a great size for a pass catching back, but he does a decent job at that. Um, he's not a great running back by any stretch of the imagination. He's solid. Um, I think what you're seeing is he's incredibly fresh compared to Mixon. He does not have the miles that Mixon has. Mm-hmm. Um well, that's what's good, I think, about Mixon being out, too. And, and the said, line is coming together. I mean, right. he's getting to benefit from a lot of different things right now. And the fact that Jamar's back. So, I mean, here, here's the deal. And this is what's really, really, really benefited Pirine, right? You cannot run a single high look against the safe, against the Bengals right now. You will get murdered. So you have to have at least two or those three deep looks that we're seeing, right? If you're running two and three deep, that means there's maybe eight in the box. And if you're running 11 personnel, that means there's seven in the box. And if there's seven in the box, we always have an attached tight end, almost without fail. Your line's blocking well. You've got an attached tight end. You've got six on six with one-on-one with P. Ryan, who just lowers the boom. It's finally starting to work. But he's not someone that... And I know his elusive rating's good. His force missed tackles are decent. His force missed tackles are an average rate in the NFL right now. Um, Mixon just didn't have a great go to start the year. And it looks great, comparatively speaking. Remember, everything needs to be treated in a vacuum, and everything needs to be treated relatively speaking. If you put P. Ryan's film up against Derrick Henry's or someone that's really, really good at making people miss, uh, he's going to look like an average back. Now, one thing everybody's got to quickly forgets for some reason uh, the last game Mixon fully played in, he had, he had five touchdowns. <laughs> so that's where I'm like, we're, this is where me and Chandler get an argument. He says, P-Ron trusts the line more. I said, no, I, Mixon's trusting the line, too. That's why he had five touchdowns. I mean, so they're, it's coming they're together. They're different types of runners, though. Right. No, like, so P-Ron fits much more of the gap power scheme that we've been running for about five or six weeks. Mixon fits much more of that inside zone scheme, which we tried to run for about the first eight weeks, and we just could not get our shit together. Right. Um, and they've kind of started going half and half and dialing back to inside zone a little bit, a little bit more duo than we were seeing like we were um, in the early parts of the season. I think people need to really understand that a lot of what you're seeing is a product of the fact that Joe is on fire, mm-hmm. slicing and dicing the ball wherever he wants to. Um, if you have to worry about, and keep in mind, I know some of these guys are hurt, but if you have to worry about Hurst and Higgins and Boyd and Chase all at the same time, the run game's an afterthought, especially in this type of league in the NFL. So when you're emptying the box and the line is coming together, just about anybody would look halfway decent right now. And me, Piran but, runs hard. That's yeah, the difference. But, so, but, I mean, he's, we, he finishes runs, he runs hard, and he's benefiting from a system that's opening up for him. And we do, we do have to give credit to, to Piran. He is hitting – finds all, hits the hole as hard as he can. Oh, yeah. And, and and that's one thing that I think Joe wasn't doing at the beginning of the year. I think he started doing that, and then he got the concussion. So that, that to me, comes through where their tr- the line is gelling. They're trusting the line. They're trusting what they're seeing now, you know, mm-hmm. what the line is going to do. And that, to me, is the same thing with Joe. He's trusting what he's seen, trusting what the line is doing. There's these a guys whole, played together for four, so it, it's, it, it is a thing. There's probably 10 or 12 factors, honestly, going into why P. Ryan is having success right now, and it's not just because it's P. Ryan. Um, so I, I wish people would 
kind of dial back the Joe Mixon talk. And I know I have a reputation of like, don't pay running backs and you don't necessarily need to run the ball. And that's true. I believe that. But at the same time, you have to understand that this entire offense is exploding all at the same time and defenses are kind of going, well, what do we want to die by? (laughs) And if you have to choose what you want to die by, it's by a thousand paper cuts, which is the run game. And the short intermediate pass, passes. Right. Too. So they've taken away the deep ball, which they, they kind of have. Joe has not thrown nearly as many deep balls over the last five weeks as I'm sure he would want to. And that's evident in film. You can see it a couple times. He's patting the ball like, ah, shit, and checks it down. Um, but when you're running those deep umbrella coverages, like that deep three, and the next one I'm about to show you here in a second, the flats and the underneath stuff are going to be open. And as a byproduct, the run game is going to be open. So when you call two plays in the huddle and one's a run and Joe sees they're fucking bailing, of course I'm going to run the ball. And you're going to get four and five yards in time, especially if you block well. Uh, so yeah, here's the, the next one. Uh, very similar setup to what we had the last time in terms of where guys are aligned. Um, By the way, just let know, I, I see your comments. I'm just – if I put them up while we got the, the film on, it's, it blocks it. So I'll, I'll put, put some more up after the film. Go we will get there, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer any question unless you don't want me to. I don't um, It's up to you, brother. So, again, you've got a hat on a hat. 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 And you've got one guy that looks like he's playing deep. This would scream man in cover one again. But guess what? It's not. Um when you start to roll this play and things start to develop, the first thing that you see and the things that quarterbacks are trained for are what did the safeties do? Well, we had one guy who was single high and he's already vacated into the field side deep half. Right. right. The guy that was walked up on Boyd, he's vacating into his deep half. Mm-hmm. Okay. This guy's running a bail technique, which his hips are turned and his eyes are looking at the quarterback. So, so, real, real quick, what is the point of this? What are they trying to stop the Bengals for? You said you said you got trying to get rid of the deep ball. Okay. All right, okay. which is I think I think that's what everybody's trying to do right now. Yep. So this and these guys can press up a little bit, right? Because right. he's he has help over the top here. These guys are locked up pretty hard right now, and he's got help over the top. So he knows even if he eats shit and bites it, mm-hmm. he's got help over the top, right? So he's also going to bail, and he's actually going to run his guy pretty far deep. So now you've got one, two, three in the middle of the field. This is a two high five under, which. You could even call that a quarters trail technique if you really wanted to, which quarters is one, two, three, four. Um, and trail is when they're just kind of going with the guy. Again, no one's playing the flats. They're giving the flat and five yards of underneath space every single time. That was their goal in this game. Mm-hmm. All right. So what does Joe do? Well, he knows they're not blitzing. They're in zone. And I trust my line. Right. So I'm going to sit here and wait. And I'm going to sit here and wait. And I'm going to sit here and wait. Okay. Well, what ends up happening is because they're running a crosser. And crossers are how you really can screw up linebackers, right? We have a crosser here. Numbnuts is going to bite up because he kind of has to. <laughs> is, that his, is that his official name, Numbnuts? It is right now. Well, <laughs> he, has to, he has to bite up, right? Right. In this guy. Dummy number two did a terrible job of not getting hands on the receiver. He didn't do anything to impede him, slow him down, anything within the rules of play. He just kind of watched him. Okay. So what ends up happening is when he vacates his zone, 
we have a really, really smart receiver here who goes, ooh, and halts and stops right here because he's never going to get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe is just waiting because Joe trusts his receivers. Joe trusts his line, and Joe knows his receivers know where soft spots and zones are. We always hear about how tight ends or someone can sit down in a zone. Right. Okay. All that happened was he's got a massive window to mm-hmm. throw this ball now. Right. There's not a single chief within the vicinity of Joe Burrow. Yep. When you get good protection, you can wait on some of these concepts to open up against zone. Fits it right Bang. in. Bang. And you'll see it open up on the backside here too. So again, the Chiefs are showing an eight-man box. One, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They only rush four. So they bail right. all those guys out. They're trying to right. get in Burrow's head, and guess what? It's not working. He's smarter than that. Mm-hmm. So what He's you end up having, <laughs> he does have the answer. You end up having your deep half, right? Yep. You end up having this guy really bailing into a deep half. I believe that's him. And then you have Hook Is that numb nuts number one or numb nuts number two? I, I don't know. They're all numb nuts at this point. <laughs> Woo! That was the wrong color. <laughs> I'm not going to say what that looks like. <laughs> so then we wait. We let it roll. Oh, no. This one? That's numb nuts number one. That's Justin ah. Reed. Oh, yes. There that's you go. That's asshole numero uno right now. <laughs> and he's really, really having to rely on his linebacker to do a good job, and he doesn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. With the run right by him. So first off, always give credit to your pocket when you can. Yep. Yep. Step up. Bang. And look, my phone screen. Um, So (laughs) it's just a matter of the, the, the thing that I always used to try and tell people to calm down about, especially when things were going wrong and people would say stuff like Zach Taylor's a bad play caller. At some point, you need to let these plays develop mm-hmm. like that. If Burrow would have had less than two and a half seconds, that's a sack, and everybody hates Zach Taylor for the play call. Right, right. Nobody says anything because Joe has time to let it develop, and hey, guess what? That is the right route combination and the right play call against that defense. At some point, you just need to let things play out, and a lot of it comes down to blocking. Zach's finally getting the blocking he needs for his playbook. Joe's finally getting the blocking he needs for his progressions. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't know how much you look at the numbers for uh, for protection rates, but I'll go ahead and pull it up here while I'm talking. Good. Um, I do not like using Pro Football Focus grades, so preface that right now. None of you guys that I have on here like them. I mean, Parker doesn't like them either. <laughs> so it's not the grades that I look at, but I look at their data. Okay. Because the data is not subjective like the grades are, right? Data is data. Data doesn't lie. Data doesn't bend the truth. Data is what it is. If I go to passing pressure, okay, and I look at a minimum 100 dropbacks, okay, they have a category for pressure per dropback. Okay, so how frequent of your dropbacks are you being pressured? I'll share this screen because I've got it pulled up. Okay. Basically what that tells me is how often are you being pressured? Not what the volume is because if you drop back, you might have more sacks than someone else. You know, if I drop back a hundred times and you drop back once, I'm probably still going to be sacked more than you. 
regardless of who has the better line, right? Right. And nothing, not there is. So there we go. This is sorted by drop back percentage of under pressure. So top of the list, Justin Fields is pressured 46% of his dropbacks. That's not good. Where's Joe Burrow on that list? Down here somewhere. <laughs> Last in the AFC. Mm. The least pressured quarterback in all of football. There you the go. Joe Burrow is only pressured on 26% of his dropbacks, which is the least pressured quarterback in the entire AFC. And that includes the first two weeks of the season where he was getting shit rocked. Really? Yes. Wow. If you take that out, he's down to like 20%. Hmm. He doesn't get touched anymore. Right. Well, and you can tell that by that, that last throw he made to seal the game to T. Higgins. I mean, that throw that he got popped right there, threw it. I still don't know how he got it in there because or how the DB didn't knock it down. It was right, it was right there. And and Joe is about to get popped. So Joe's not doesn't have happy happy feet like people are saying at the beginning of the year. He doesn't he's not he's not seeing ghosts, he's not doing any of that stuff. Right. So he he's just not pressured anymore. So when, when people say, Oh, the Bengals O line is starting to get it. He's the least pressured quarterback in the AFC. If that's starting to get it, mm-hmm. you're in fantastic shape moving forward. Yeah, I'll, I'll put this up here real quick by uh, Chandler. He goes, uh, maybe a hot take, but the only reason guys like Boyd and Hurst are seen as above average. Now, you're going to talk shit about Hurst. I'm going to have Kathy on tomorrow, so I thank you for this. But anyway, uh, are seen as above average because of jackpot. He elevates guys around him, and people don't get it. Um, can I, can I disagree? Sure. <laughs> Am I allowed I mean, to disagree? Uh, Tyler Boyd by every metric was a top 10 slot receiver in the NFL before Joe Burrow got here. If anything, his production's dropped since Burrow's been here. And that's because you have Higgins and chase. Um, remember Boyd was a thousand yard receiver when he had Jeff Driscoll part-time during that last Andy Dalton season. So it, it's not like, Tyler Boyd is some scrub out there. Now, one thing, uh, Rick the Rocker says, uh, Joe Montana, Joe Burrow, two humble Joes that do their talking on the field. Now, one thing, I, I want to get this out there. And I look, I said, you guys can call Joe whatever you want. But one thing I would prefer you to not call him is Joe Cool. Because, like I said, I'm old. Joe Cool was Joe Montana. Right. Joe Montana beat us for two Super Bowls. So, please... Call him anything other than that. Please, for the love of God, do not call him Joe Cool. That's freaking Joe Montana. I don't want to be reminded of that guy, even though I know they work together with Guinness and all that stuff. But sorry, that's something that's been bugging me that he keeps getting Joe Cool. Please stop I, I hear him. it every once in a while, and Joe Cool is the first thing that comes to mind, too. I'm like, please stop calling him that. I'm like, that's like I said, like I said, I'm old. I'm like, I, I call them the Sucky Niners. I still dislike mm. them. Can I can I give you a, another stat that's going to just blow your mind about Joe Burrow? Because it's oh, yeah. one of those things where I tell people to really appreciate what you're watching, and I'm not sure people really do yet. I know we all think he's great and he's good, and we're all in love with Joe Burrow right now, and we're in this infatuation stage, right? Um, and hopefully it keeps up for the next 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in order to qualify for uh, like all-time stats, right, you need to have a minimum of 1,500 pass attempts. Okay, Joe Burrow will have that probably by the end of the year. He's sitting around 13 or 1350 right now. He only needs like three or four more games and he'll hit it. Once he hits 1500 pass attempts, assuming he just keeps doing what he's doing because it's 
nothing exponential, right? right? Um, he'll effectively have a all-time completion percentage of about 68.5% or whatever it is, right? $50 bet for an MVP. Yeah, truly. I, 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 think I, I think I got the same bet. I, think we're both, um, I, know, I don't know if it's 50 bucks. I know you both bet on that. But um, assuming Joe Burrow does what Joe Burrow does um, for the next 200 pass attempts or whatever it is, he will have the highest completion percentage in the history of the NFL once he registers. There you go. So when people are like, oh, he's accurate, I'm like, you don't understand how damn accurate he is. <laughs> just look at that last throw. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I right. just – Anyway, Crip has a disagreement here with you. He said, now, now, Miles, I think everyone saw the end of round coming a mile away that Carlos Dunlap play. Zach is sometimes bad at play calling, situational play calling. What do you got on that? So Burrow called that play first and foremost, not Zach. And how do you know that? Uh, because they're given two plays in the huddle and Burrow checked into it. All when right. They do this. That means play number two. Right. Now, you can argue he got that play from Zach. But Zach doesn't call the run plays either. That's Brian Callahan and um, uh, Frank Pollock are the run game coordinators. So that did not come from Zach. Um, Zach will give them the pass play, and then the run play comes in conjunction with quite a few people. Um, as opposed for Carlos Dunlap, um, there was not a missed block on that. That's kind of how that's supposed to go. At some point, you look at the defense and say, that was a hell of a play. Um, and here's the thing, because I coached defense for a little while, not – at a high level or anything, but enough to where I should understand the basics. Uh, if you are a situation to where you are a defensive end and you are sitting, I think he was in a five technique on that play. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but I think he was a five tech. Your job is to crash like everybody else did. So if I've got five guys kind of crowded in the middle in the tackle box and four of them crashed and one guy shot all the way upfield, he didn't do his assignment. Right. You need to anticipate the guys are going to do what they're supposed to do. He freelanced on that play and he blew it up. Credit to Carlos. You know, that's one of those instinctual plays that like we always used to say about Troy Palomalu. Oh my God. You know, he just has great football instincts. That's what that was. Uh, as for Zach Taylor, wasn't necessarily his play call. Burrow checked into it. You're given two plays at the line. One's a short pass. And then when you have um, what's called a, a jammed front or a, a crunched front where everybody's going to crash, you typically run an outside zone. So, yeah, it was going to be an outside zone. Would I have necessarily done an end around to Trent Taylor? I don't know. Everybody likes to bitch about it, but it's the play that beat us in the Super Bowl with Cooper Cup, so it's worked for other teams. <laughs> there you go. So keep that in mind. It works. Uh, sometimes someone just makes a play. Yeah. There we go. Fire Zach. He's laughing. He's kidding. <laughs> I was on that front two years ago. So I, I, I the only time I ever wavered, on Zach was the ending game against Baltimore 2020 when they just flatly did it the last game. I was just like, are you serious? That's the only time I ever wavered. That, but, that's where I was about done. Yeah, um, I, I, but then I, I, he's, he, I, I love Zach Taylor. <laughs> like, I'm a huge Zach Taylor fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on him. I, I've defended his play calling on here multiple times. And, and the thing that I think – and this is the thing – that I think is more important on being a head coach is creating the right atmosphere and the locker room. And I know people say, you know, you, you win. Yeah. You got a good, good locker room. They had a good locker room when they were losing. They did. So that, that's where I'm like, that's, 
that's not always true. You can be, you can have a, a good locker room and you, you don't play good, you know, that, but that is the building block. Cause you can, cause you can hear it when what changed everything for this team is beating the Steelers on that Monday night, Monday night game. Von well, Bell blowing up Juju that Smith. That was definitely the, the that, that was probably where the momentum finally swung the other direction. Uh, but this team's always fought for Zach. Mm-hmm. So if yes. people say they don't like Zach, that's a load of that's, shit. That's not true. That's uh, <laughs> not go, true. Go back to the first game against Seattle. They fought their ass off in that game. And quite frankly, they should have yeah. got their ass kicked. The very, the very first game that he coached? Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. Because I still remember I was wa- sitting right over there. I was watching the game with my wife. And I'm looking going, this is the Bengals? Like, wow. I said, we're fighting hard. And we were playing good. We could have won the game. It was it was a close game. And I'm like, all right, I kind of like this. <laughs> like, this is there, cool. There have been a few and far between games that the Bengals have just been completely outmatched. Um, and if there's one a game or one a year, so be it. You know, I mean, they, they for whatever reason, with the Browns, they, they've kind of had a mental block and they've struggled there. Um, I'm trying not to give the excuse that they had a coach die right before the game that throws off the mojo of the team, but I mean, I, I I've had family members die and had to go to work that morning, and it's not easy. And I wasn't on national television either, so um, I, I'm going to say that that game goes a lot different this time around. Uh, it's at home. You've got Chase back. The, the momentum is just so different. I I don't see any way in God's name that they don't at least look competent in that game against Cleveland. Well, the other big thing that we have back is DJ. We're going to have yep. DJ, and he makes a huge – I'm going to bang that drum. But DJ Reader makes everything work for that defense. He just does. He is a huge run stopper, especially going against a team like Cleveland where what they want to do. If Sean Watson plays – as bad, or maybe let's say a smidge better than he did last week, they're going to have to run the ball. And I mean, that's grab DJ's alley. So that's where, you know, uh, uh, the rock here, he's got a question. He goes, uh, who do you think would win right now, the Eagles or the Bengals? Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for what Philadelphia is doing. Um, they, Philadelphia has done what I always wished a team would do. And that is just the, the simplistic approach of there's no perfect defense, read it and go where they're not. Um, and that's kind of what the Bengals are starting to do. Um, but Philly, and I'm not trying to slight the Bengals with this, that this mm-hmm. is because I think the Bengals weapons are just up there with everybody else. Um, Philly's so dynamic, especially with the, the running dynamic that their quarterback has. Right. Um, that it's one other thing that you have to account for. And they run a lot of RPOs and they run a lot of shit off Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. that the Bengals just can't do with Joe Burrow. And it's not a slight to Joe Burrow. They're just different types just of quarterbacks. Different type of quarterback, yeah. It's, it's so still, the, still the, the Eagles are running a college offense at an NFL level of efficiency, and it's very scary. Um, I don't know who would win. I don't know how Lou would approach that game plan. Um I can't imagine that they would just throw bombs against us. I, I think that probably what would happen is they would go kind of what they did with the Chiefs and to an effect what they're probably going to do with the Bills, which is I'm going to take away the deep shot and I'm going to make you go 15 plays and drive down the field. 
because at some point you're going to stub your toe on a fumble or a deflected pass or a holding penalty or an OPI, or there's going to be something that derails your drive. And when you do that, not only do you increase the chances of them having a self-imposed wound, uh, but you also limit the amount of possessions they're going to have because they're not going to have quick scores. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bengals understand that. So it would come down to can the Bengals be efficient on the back end on offense? Um, and Philly's got a damn good defense from what I understand. I haven't got to watch them yet. I've heard they're pretty damn good. So I'm just kind of going off of, you know, yeah. I'll watch noise. I think I've seen like I saw the Monday night game. The Eagles. I think I might be the only one I actually got, I've actually watched. Yeah. So it's um, you would kind of have to play contain all around the field and just make them dink and dunk you the whole time and hope they stub their toe. Exactly. That's that's going to be the only way to beat the Eagles. If you try to get aggressive against them, they will fuck you up. <laughs> just best way to play. Either way, it's going to be a good game, and who knows? Maybe, maybe, might be a Super Bowl preview. Well, who knows? I have, I have no idea. Either way, Centauri, you've been on for fifty eight over fifty eight minutes. I I appreciate it. I know you got rally on tonight. Uh, you got a pretty cool guest on tonight. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Yeah, so we got Cam Miller on tonight, who's a local filmographer, does a lot of documentaries. He's going to be on discussing uh, Riverfront Remembered, which is his film that he just put out about Riverfront Stadium. A lot of sights and sounds from the past, and uh, we're really going to be diving into um, kind of how he made it and you know what his background is, what his influences are, stuff like that. Um, so if you're into film and you're into Cincinnati sports history, he's the guy. I highly recommend giving him a follow uh, and, you know, Maybe giving us a watch tonight and see what what, what, uh, time, what time are you gonna be on. Uh, Thirty minutes, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. All right. So make sure you guys, uh, if you get off here, go jump on rally and go watch watch those guys. Cincy James, God love him, has tried his ass off to get uh, Kayla or Kay Adams on the show, but I apparently Kay's got a big time, big time us all of us and, and going uh, Bengal Jim show. So <laughs> say love you. Exactly. Anyway, Santori, appreciate you, brother. I was hey, you. I'll see you Sunday. You're gonna be at the game, right? Um, I have a ticket if I want it. I need to. That means yes. <laughs> it's oh, it's fifty well, fifty. Uh, no, that means that means just, yes. Just means if you, I look, decide you to have go. to come down to Lot B and I have to give you a big hug again, like I did this past Sunday. We, got, we won. I got to keep doing the same thing. Okay, so I need to park at Newport, get an Uber, <laughs> get dropped off right in front of Moreland Logger House, walk into Lot B, and then wiggle my way over down to Bengal uh, Bengal Squad. Bomb Squad. Yeah, that's that's what I do all the time. Okay, you got it, you got it, you got it. perfect. We got it. we got a plan. All right, we're good. <laughs> all right, Santori, appreciate you, brother. Who day? Who day? All right, guys. As always, I say this every single time, but I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did because I do. I enjoy the hell out of that. I think Centauri does a really good job. He's very knowledgeable. He knows what the hell he's talking about. And like I said, if you go to go to Blind Tiger next week, or if you want to. Uh, uh, tweet out uh, Bengals and bourbon. He was sitting next to Tyler. Tyler was, excuse me, sitting next to Centauri. Centauri was calling the plays out. I mean, so, and I, I've sat next to Centauri while we're watching games for him. He knows what he's talking about. I'm, I you know, call him before it even happens most times. So, he's a really good follow on Twitter. He's a really good dude. He's one of my buddies. So, go check him and the boys out at Rally. Got Crazy Ass Greg, Bengal Dad, Cincy James. All of them are going to be on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I will be definitely tuning in because I love Cincinnati sports history. And Riverfront Stadium was the stadium I grew up watching the Bengals and Reds, Reds in. So I always like it. All right, so let's get to Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. And if you're not members of these groups, 
please join them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then as always, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Turnable, which I am over 3,000 followers, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much. TikTok, I'm over 1,000 on there, too. Again, appreciate that. Um, YouTubers, we're at 1,986 subs. That is awesome. Trying to get to 2,000 subs. So if you follow me on TikTok, you follow me on Facebook, you follow me on Twitter, you follow me wherever you watch the show, but you just haven't subscribed, why the hell not? <laughs> Please do. Please subscribe to the show. Try to get me to 2,000 subs. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, yesterday was the first time I put the show back on the podcast <laughs> in a couple months. So if you missed any of yesterday's show, you don't have time to sit and watch it for an hour. It's on the podcast. So it's on Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review on Apple uh, Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Today's show will be up there. Hopefully, I'll get it up there like within the next hour or so. So if you guys are working at night like I do and you want to listen to it or during the day, going, going to work in the morning, check it out. Or if you just want to re-listen to it, I'd appreciate that too. Other than that, today is Wednesday. We got three days. Three days. I cannot wait. We're going to be in the jungle. And I can, after this game, I can shut all these stupid Browns fans up that are coming after me. And, oh, he has a lot beat the, the Browns yet. Oh, I'm like, yes. I'm going to take a clip from Zim Hude, my boy. He said this on Rally when he was on their show earlier this week. We know, Browns fans, we know this is your Super Bowl. We know. This is the game you are of a circle because you got nothing left. You haven't won a damn thing since you came back in 99. The only thing you got over is, yes, you've beat us. Joe Burrow hasn't beat you. That's it. So we understand. It's your Super Bowl. It's not that big of a deal to us, but we, we're going to win. So we'll just brush you off our shoulder like we've done everybody else, and you guys can go out to Cleveland and just stay there. You can have fun with your crappy-ass quarterback that you got, and I'm not just going to leave it at that. Your crappy-ass city. Because remember, as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag Dean likes to say, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati. And that's your sports, baby. See ya!